So for those of you that are in the WhatsApp group, um, you probably saw a message probably yesterday or the day before, I forget exactly which day, from a guy by the name of Phil who stated uh, his nephew uh, has, has leukemia. It's confirmed his nephew does have leukemia. And I'm a person that I don't understand diseases. I really don't research diseases. I don't, I'm, I'm very ignorant to diseases. So anytime a, a disease is thrown to my attention, I'm oblivious to it. So I just start asking questions. What's leukemia? How does it happen? What are the impacts on the body, etc.? And while asking those questions this morning, I just actually found out what leukemia was. And I was actually shocked to understand how severe it is what this four-year-old kid has. Um, and as a parent, uh, to realize that your kid has this disease is probably devastating for the parent. It's probably a trauma- traumatizing time for the family. So I just feel compelled as a church. Um, I'm pretty sure you all have some things in your lives that you probably would love to share with people that need prayer as well, maybe sickness or healing or finances. And I'm just going to provide a, just a, a minute or two just to allow us to pray for not only Phil's family, but for yourselves as well um, before we start. So just a couple of seconds and then we'll get started. Lord, I just want to thank you for giving courage, feel the courage to uh, share that with the WhatsApp group. I can't imagine what the family's going through, but I just pray that whatever your plan is, is revealed to them. I pray they never lose faith in you and just know that your plan is always perfect. Lord, why you do things we'll never understand or why you allow things to happen we'll never understand. But I just pray that peace comes over that family and they continue to trust in you with whatever's going on. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. So, today we're going to talk about Job. And Job is a very interesting book because it shows, it shows who God really is. And if I were to sum it up in one word, Job was somebody who had a lot of favor from God. He was considered blessed in the eyes of the Lord, but he had a lot of problems, a lot of challenges in his life. So before we get started, I'll, I'll sum up Job into three main key points before we go into the text. And those three key points for Job. Number one, can God trust you? So I'll keep referring back to that over and over and over. Not can you trust God, but can God trust you? Number two, if God has favor over your life, if you consider yourself someone blessed, you're going to have problems. He will interrupt your perfect plan. So if you're a new Christian, if you're an old Christian, if you've just been baptized, you're going to have problems as a Christian. You will not have a perfect walk. There will be challenges that you face. But the exciting thing or the rewarding piece of information is God will never place more on you than what you can bear. And I'll come back to that verse shortly. So I'm not going to read the whole book or the whole chapter, but we're going to go to Job chapter chapter one, starting at verse one. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. I want to say this again. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. The key point that the text is trying to highlight to you here is Job was perfect. Remember that. We'll come back to that text later. Job was perfect. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. This is just to show you that Job was very wealthy. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on, on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days on the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children may have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did, thus Job did continually. So what the text is showing here is Job was a very religious or holy man. 
he would praise to the Lord for forgiveness of sins, even if he didn't know he committed a sin. He would praise to the Lord for forgiveness of sins just in case his children had committed a sin. Verses 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. So what happens here? Satan goes into the presence of the Lord and asks the Lord, can I tempt Job? And the Lord allows it. Yes, you can. And Satan thinks that once he takes all the possessions away from Job, Job will curse God. And that's what the text is saying here. Verses 13 through 20. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. So here. All the riches and wealth and land that Job possessed, it was immediately taken away. Satan took everything from him. So he was a person who had everything, and Satan immediately took everything away from him. Verses 20 and 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to pray over this text today that they receive exactly what you want them to receive, Lord. And I'm able to deliver the message exactly how you want it to be delivered. Lord, I just pray that we have understanding. Lord, I just pray that we're able to apply whatever we learn today. And we always remember the promise that you made to us, that you will always forgive us for our sins as long as we continue to turn back to you. In your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So that's where we're going to start today. So I'm going to briefly summarize what I just read. So, before I summarize, I'll go through the main key points again. Can God trust you? Point number one, if God has favor over your life, you will have challenges, and God will never place on, on you more than what you can bear. And Craig, if you don't mind, can you read 1 Corinthians 10, 13? Because this is going to be a very important scripture today. 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Good. Thank you, Craig. 
So we'll reference that again from time to time. Whatever you're going through, the Lord will not give you more than what you can bear. And I'll explain what that means. So just to summarize, chapter one, the first thing in verse one, it tells us that Job was a perfect man. It's perfect as a man can be. So all of these things that happened to Job were terrible, but it happened to a perfect man. Remember that. So if things are happening to you, would you consider yourself perfect? Maybe not. But if God is doing these things to a perfect man or allowing these things to happen to a perfect man, of course, he'll allow things to happen to us. Verses two through four talks about the great wealth that Job had, large animals or many animals, lots of land. And to correlate that to 2017, it's hard for us to identify land and wealth. So I'm going to change just for today the text. Job had a lot of Ferraris, Lamborghinis, huge houses, diamonds, jets, right? So we're just going to say Job was a very wealthy man, very wealthy in terms that we can understand today. He was also a holy man, very religious, often sacrificed for sins. But then in verses 6 through 12, something happens. Satan has to get permission from God to attack Job. So if Satan has to get permission from God, who has the power, Satan or God? God, absolutely. So whenever things are going wrong in your life, you're having challenges, please know that God knows about them. And actually, he had to allow Satan to test you in those ways. Verses 13 through 20 talks about all of the Lamborghinis, Ferraris, houses, diamonds, jets that Job had. It was all taken away. All of it was completely stripped from him. His houses were gone. His cars were gone. Everything, all of his prized possessions had been gone, had been taken away. And the way he responds is he worships. The Lord stripped him from everything, stripped everything from him. And his response to the Lord, verses 20 and 21, he worships. So let's apply that to ourselves. Can God trust you? When you're running into difficult times, when you're having problems on the job, when you lose your job, you're having problems with finances, you don't get that promotion, you're having problems with your spouse, your kids are acting up in school, you're struggling with mental illness or sickness or whatever you have, do you trust God? Do you worship or do you run or do you flee or do you get angry or do you get upset? So what is your response when God is allowing these things to happen in your life? And the same way he allowed things to happen to a perfect man, Job, he's going to allow things to happen to you for many different reasons. Some of those reasons are is 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 because he knows you can handle it. He knows you will complete the mission. He will allow things to happen to you just so he can show the devil that he has no control over you. Just so he can show the world how strong he truly is, how much power and how much love he actually has for you. So one thing I will say, it is not your responsibility to determine what's good or what's bad. It's just your responsibility to trust God. It's not our responsibility to say, ah, Lord, this is so bad. Or, ah, Lord, this is very good. Regardless if it's bad or good, it's just your responsibility to trust. Let me give you an example of what that trust looks like. There was a girl. You may have heard her name, Mary. Before she was the virgin Mary, she was Mary, right? And she was about 12 or 13 years old. The historians don't really know her true age, but she was about 12 or 13 years old. And any of you who, have, who has a daughter that's 12 or 13 or knew someone who's 12 or 13, what is a 12 or 13-year-old girl thinking about? playing with her friends, maybe a boyfriend, maybe what her husband's going to look like with a great white picket fence, knows what the kids' names are going to be, 
knows what college she's going to. Girls are thinking about things of little girls, right? So Mary was about 12 or 13 years old when her parents come to her and say, hey, I know you have all these plans for your life, but we can't afford to keep you any longer. You're going to have to get married, right? You're going to have to go out and we're going to have to find a husband for you. So she accepts. Her first plan was interrupted. She has to get married. But before she actually has the opportunity to be intimate with her husband, she gets pregnant. Now, for those of you who have dated and you're married now, and before you, this is an adult conversation, before you were actually intimate with your wife, if your wife came to you and said, hey, babe, I'm pregnant. Oh, and by the way, this is God's baby. Right? How would you respond to that? Seriously, how would you respond to that? You would probably respond the same exact way that Joseph did. Can you read Matthew 1 and 19? So let's see how Joseph responded to that. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Quietly. So one thing he did is he said, that's it, we're getting a divorce. But notice the character of Joseph. He honored her and loved her so much, he said, I'm going to divorce you quietly, privately, because he still wanted, he didn't want to ruin her reputation in the city. He didn't want to damage her name. So even though he was disgusted and ashamed, probably even thinking in his head, considering her as a whore, he said, I'm going to do it privately. I don't want to bring shame upon you. So, of course, he goes to sleep. And during the time where he's sleeping, angels reveal themselves to him and say, no, this really is the child of God that your, that your wife is bearing. So he vows to protect Mary and the child for the rest of his life. So again, let's go back to this 12 or 13 year old girl. It's a 12 or 13 year old girl and her only desires are to be a girl. Now she's married. She's pregnant. She's never experienced a husband. And remember, she's blessed and highly favored in the name of the Lord. Really. So she's blessed, right? So 12 and 13 years old, life completely interrupted. And she has to go on a journey to another city. While she's pregnant, going on that journey, She's fearing for her life every single day because someone wants to kill the child that's inside of her. Now, I don't know how you guys were doing your pregnancy, but the last thing my wife wanted to do was walk miles and miles and miles. Right? It wasn't going to happen, especially in the heat. She wasn't going to ride on a donkey. She wasn't going to do all these things. She was not going to take any journeys that caused any harm or damage to this baby. But Mary did. She had to walk miles and miles. And she's blessed and highly favored. That doesn't look blessed to me. So nine months pass. She's ready to, live, to deliver this baby. And if she, was, if she was anything like Jenny Robinson, previously Jenny Benson, she knew what the crib was going to look like, what color the room was going to be, the pillows in the bed. Everything had to be labeled just perfectly. The changing table, which we never used. All these things, right, <laughs> had to be extremely perfect. And I'm sure Mary, a 12 or 13-year-old girl, wanted these same exact things. But what happens? She goes from door to door. I'm pregnant. Can I deliver my baby? And the whole time she's thinking, I'm blessed and favored. The Lord's going to take care of me. And he does. He allows her to have a baby in a barn next to some animals, next to all the things that are inside of a barn. And that's where Jesus Christ is born. And right after that, if she's anything like Jenny Robinson, she probably wanted to talk to the lactation consultant and understand what the doctor's orders were and do all these things and have three days rest. Not Mary. She had to get up and run for the next two years 
because someone was trying to kill her child. So Mary is someone we would look at now and say, man, it's amazing. This is the person who gave birth to Jesus Christ. But I can assure you on the outside looking in, her life did not look blessed to a normal person. Wow, you had a baby in a manger? You're making your wife, you're, you're making your wife walk miles and miles and she's nine months pregnant? What type of husband are you? So on the outside looking in, Mary did not look blessed at all. But she was blessed and she never stopped trusting in the Lord. The Lord never stopped trusting in her. So with everything that Mary and Job went through, they never gave up on the Lord. No matter what challenge that was thrown in front of them, they never gave up on the Lord. So the question I ask you, can God trust you? So when he throws challenges in your face and trials and tribulations, are you going to give up? Or are you going to keep fighting? Or are you going to keep going? So, now, I want you to think about something. I think the challenge a lot of us have as Christians is we're ashamed of our past. And I'll just be honest. A lot of times once we give our lives to Christ, we're ashamed of our past. So, Let's look at Job's life. What if Job had given up? What if, the, what if Satan had taken all of his cars, his houses, all of his prized possessions, and then at that point, Job gives up and says, enough's enough. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe in any of this stuff. It's not real. I've served God my whole life, and he does this to me. And he gives up right after Satan does this to him. You'll ne- you would never see what happens after that. The Lord ends up blessing Job double. He gives him more possession than he ever had. But what if he gives up at that moment? You never can see what God actually had planned for him. Or let's look at it from a different point of view. What if you never heard about the first part of Job to where he lost everything? You never heard about that part of his life. The only Job we ever knew was the Job that was blessed and had many animals and many sheep and cars, houses and all these things. What if we never saw the struggles and trials and tribulations that Job went through and we only saw the perfect Job? And I think that's what happens today as Christians. We want people to see our perfect lives, how perfect we are, the great jobs we have, the great cars we have. Our marriages are perfect and our kids are thriving and we never have any challenges. But we don't want to tell people where we came from. So people really never see what the Lord is doing in our lives because we only want to show the good. And the things that happened in our past, we want to keep those hidden. Those are our secrets. Those should not be secrets. Those are things, trials and tribulations that the Lord has delivered you from and that can help someone. So do not be afraid of your past. Because things that appear bad to the outside world are evil. They're only bad because you're afraid to tell them about the good once it happens. Right? And that's something I really challenge you guys with. A lot of you guys have achieved great success in your lives, whether that be you, you've, you have the ultimate spouse, the best husband or the best wife or the best job, or your kids are thriving in school, or you've beat through this disease that you've been battling for years and nobody knows about the journey that you went through to get to where you are today. So please do not be afraid to tell people where you came from. Do not keep your story silent. Also, once you give your life to Christ, please don't think your life's going to be perfect. It's, it's, it's very disturbing um, when I've heard people a thousand times, hey, once you give your life to Christ, everything's going to be okay. I'm probably going to say the exact opposite. Once you give your life to Christ, now that he knows you're his and he trusts you, he's going to allow many things to happen to you, happen to you for many reasons, to develop your character, right? Um, to bless you more abundantly once you get through these trials. 
He's always teaching and coaching and developing. But you will not live a perfect life as a Christian. Mary didn't live a perfect life. Job didn't live a perfect life. David, Daniel, Paul, Peter. I can go on and on and on. All right? So you will not live a perfect life as a Christian. But there's never a good enough reason to stop trusting in the Lord. All right? And I'll just use the, the terrible story I heard today of the four-year-old with leukemia. I don't know what the outcome of this situation is going to be, but with everything, we're going to trust in the Lord. But there's never a good enough reason to stop trusting in the Lord. And I'll share a personal story with you. Jenny had a miscarriage for uh, in between miles. And I asked my wife, is it okay to share this story? She said, it's fine. Um, but between Madden and miles, we had a miscarriage. So we were supposed to fly to Malaysia on a Saturday. This was before we ever came to Malaysia. We were supposed to fly to Malaysia on a Saturday. Friday, I was selling everything in the house. Of course, like a man, I procrastinated to the last minute. So we were having, a, having, having an open house, and just everything's a dollar. It has to go, right? Just take everything. Couches, what TVs, I don't care. It just needs to go. I'm leaving tomorrow. So before we leave, I tell her, hey, go to the doctor. Get a checkup. Let's just make sure the baby's okay before we leave, because I don't know when, 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 we'll be, when we will be able to see a doctor once we get to Malaysia. So she calls me, and there's silence on the phone. Hello? Silence. And then I hear this, <gasps> right? And then she starts, starts explaining, hey, I, don't have a, I didn't hear a heartbeat. The baby's dead. And I was like, what do you mean you didn't hear a heartbeat? The baby's dead. Uh, and she went on to explain to me that uh, the baby died, right? So immediately, I immediately stop what I'm doing. She comes home. We talk about it. I call Malaysia, uh, the company I was working for at the time. I say, hey, guys, I can't come. It'll be a couple of days. Uh, just had, some situ- had a personal situation. It'll be a while before I come. But through all of that, she never stopped trusting in the Lord. She could have easily at that point said, we go to church, we pay our tithes, we submit to the Lord, we're serving people, we do all these things, and this is what happens. But she never gave up. She never stopped serving. She never stopped trusting in the Lord. And she probably actually trusted in the Lord more after that. Because the next time we tried to have a baby, what we said is, we're going to just ask the Lord to provide for us this time. And we pray more and more and more. So there's, the purpose of that story is there's never a good reason to stop trusting in the Lord. So regardless of what challenges you're having, whether you're facing divorce, addictions, unemployment, poverty, sickness, death, how are you going to respond when you're in that situation? Are you going to worship the Lord as Job did and as Mary did, or are you going to run? Anyone can give up, guys. If you're facing an addiction and saying it's too hard to beat it, and you just keep going deeper and deeper, anyone can do that. But the Lord's already given you a way out. He said in the first Corinthians 10, 13, he's given you a way out. Right. If you're facing challenges in your marriage, he's already given you a way out. You just have to submit to that will, whatever he's given to you. Or you just want to give up. Anyone can give up. Job could have given up after he lost everything. But he didn't. Right. Mary could have given up. Joseph could have given up. But they didn't. So are you going to give up when you're facing all these things that we face? Poverty, death, problems with our kids relationship issues with our family, marital issues. I don't care what it is. There's never a good enough reason to stop trusting the Lord. And he shows us time and time and time and time again in Scripture where I don't think you can show me a person in the Bible who had a perfect life and they never had any challenges. So people always ask, well, Michael, why does God do these things or why does he allow these things? First thing I want to say is I don't know because I'm not God. So that's the first response I'm going to give you. But the things I will say is he will never give you more than what you can bear. 
And his love is perfect, and he loves us in his own way. So what do I mean by that? Jenny and I are both parents to our kids. I love my kids one way. She loves them completely different. Right? We may sit down for dinner, and I'll cook one meal. If my kids eat it, great. If they don't, great. <laughs> right? They'll live. And eventually they'll eat once they get hungry. Um, I remember when Madden was uh, younger, he would never drink water. And I said, Jenny, he's going to drink water. She said, he'll never drink water. I said, just give him water, he'll drink it. Day one, he doesn't drink water. Day two, he drinks no water. By day three, he loves water. <laughs> right? It's the best thing ever. Um, but Jenny, she's a great mom, and she loves the kids the way she thinks they need to be loved. So she may cook two or three meals, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But we love our kids differently. So the way the Lord expresses love to us, we may not understand it, but he loves us perfectly. And the way I mean perfectly is I'll give you the example of Abraham. For those of you who have ever read the story of Abraham, I encourage you to read it. Abraham was promised he would be the father of many nations. And it's, it's, I don't want to say it's satire, but it's, very, it's, it's almost a comical story. The Lord says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, and your wife is barren. Hmm. This is interesting. My wife can't produce kids, but I'm going to be the father of many nations. So they try and try and try, and guess what? Nothing happens. Hmm. So then she gets old, so she's not even interested anymore, right? Those days are done. Then he becomes impotent, so he can't even do anything. And then the Lord says, now I'm going to bless you. And the reason he does that, because he says, I don't want you to think you created these children. I created these children. And my love for you is so perfect that I'm going to give these kids to you with no effort from yourself. Right. So his love is perfect. And we don't understand why he does the things that he does all the time. But he loves us in his own way. And the way that he loves us is 100 percent perfect. We may understand it today. We may not understand it to 100 years from now. We may not understand it until death and we rise again in heaven. But his love is 100% perfect. So, if you were to learn anything from today, you will have challenges in your life. And sometimes they will be very bad. Um, I've shared with you guys my past many, many times. I mean, I can, I can just go up and down. I'm not a perfect man. I've had problems in my marriage. I've had a crazy childhood. But I never stopped trusting in the Lord. All right? And I'll never give up. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just giving up is not an option. So God believed in Job, and Job also believed in God. God believed in Mary, and Mary also believed in God. Do you guys believe in God because he believes in you? So when you're going through that trial, when you're going through that tribulation, do you really believe you're going to get through it? Or do you, or do you doubt? Or do you reason with the sin? Or do you say... It was good in that book, but it will never apply to me. So I know there's things that are going on in your lives. You don't have to tell me because I'm not perfect. And I know there's not a single perfect person on this earth since Jesus Christ has died. So I know there's things that are going on in your life. Never, ever, ever stop trusting in God regardless of whatever happens. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for everyone that showed up today. And I just want to thank you for giving me uh, the opportunity to witness, Lord. And however that was, you wanted me to witness. Lord, there's challenges and struggles that we go through all of the time, but it's just beautiful and rewarding to know that you will never leave us. To know that whatever we go through, you're right there with us. Even if we don't see you, if we don't hear you, if you don't speak to us, Lord, we know that you're right there with us. 
And it may take us a week to get through it. It may take us a month. It may take us a year or 10 years. But we know that even if it lasts until death, you're with us, Lord. And we love you. And we know that you love us. Lord, thank you for always providing. I do want to pray that the people who are having problems in their, in their families or their marriages or with their kids or with their finances or with employers at work or relationships, I do pray that you speak to them, Lord, and help them understand whatever it is you want them to learn. But most importantly, Lord, that you give them the comfort and let them know that you are with them through that entire trial. I pray that as men, Lord, we continue to honor our wives and honor our kids and that we continue to be the, the front of the household and we continue to fight all the battles that come into our family and that we submit to our wives in the most, in the most courageous ways. And I just pray for our wives that we honor our husbands and respect our husbands and just know that we're a team, we're one, and we can't do anything on our own. And Lord, last, just please pray for every family, child in this church that you are there with them every single day and that you help us until you return again. In your son Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.